I filled a jar with ice this morning before I came to church, and I brought it as an illustration of our topic today. This is a subject that it's uncomfortable a lot for us to talk about at church a lot of times, but surprisingly, the Scripture, the Bible, talks about it quite a lot. In fact, I think nearly every book in the Bible deals with it. Fully one-third of Jesus' Jesus's parables dealt with or used the, the topic that we're going to discuss today. People marry for it. They divorce for it. They kill for it. They live for it. They fight for it. And they use it, and they squander it, and they waste it. By now, you might know that you have it probably with you as you came into this building today. Our topic is money. And why do I bring a jar of ice to remind you of what we bleed and die and fight for? It's to remind you that what we spend so much time worrying about is melting away just like this ice melts away. And one day it will all be gone. So let's go to, the, let's go to, God's, let's go to God's Word and see what God's Word has to say about money. Bow your heads with me as I pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, today is your day. And the time we spend today fellowshipping and worshiping you, fellowshipping together and worshiping you, opening your word and studying it together. Lord, we ask that you feed us and nourish us with your word. Teach us from your word. Help us to be changed by what you teach us today. And speak to our hearts, and Lord, make us righteous, even as you continue to make us uh, disciples and followers of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So after all, what is money? Well, one of the probably most ordinary ways to describe money is that it's a, it's a medium of exchange that we use. It represents value. It represents the value of labor. Resources, skill, effort, talent, and time. Some even would add in that it represents a little bit of luck. <laughs> but everything belongs to God. And so really, all the money that's in this room, all the money in every bank in this world, belongs to God. God grants us possessions. So what we have and what I have and what I call my money is really his possession that he's granted to me to use for a period of time. And I am held accountable for how I use money. And so are we all. Let's open our Bibles, if you would, to Proverbs chapter 1. We're going through this. This is part of our series of Proverbs. And we'll start with chapter 1 and we'll just go through and Check how uh, the book of Proverbs uh, deals with the topic of money uh, as we go through. First is actually a warning, and it comes quicker than you think in chapter 1. If you look at verse 10, Proverbs chapter 1, verse 10, My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. This is a warning of how you can be tempted. If they say, come with us, let us lie in wait for blood. Let us, let us ambush the innocent without reason. Verse 13, we shall find all precious goods. 
we shall fill our houses with plunder. The temptation here is to cheat and steal and commit crime to gain money. Verse 14, throw in your lot among us. We will all have one purse. Now, many of you have ever been tempted to fall in uh, to evil with money. You know that usually it comes first with the, you know, the, the evil ones. They, come to, they t- try to take yours first to tempt you that you can get more later if you just throw in with them. Isn't that the way it goes? Verse 15, my son, do not walk in the way with them. Verse 16, their feet run to evil. And down to uh, verse 18 and 19. But these men lie and wait for their own blood. They set an ambush for their own lives. Such are the ways of everyone who is greedy for unjust gain. It takes away the life of its possessors. It takes away the life of its possessors. All right. But that's a warning. Let's see uh, in chapter 3 where we see an example of what, we're, what is good and blessed that we t- are to do with money. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9, teaches us, Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. So that's Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9. Now, the first word that we see in that verse is honor. And uh, we know that money is an object. It's a thing. It's not, it, has no, it has no soul. It has no will. Uh, it only does what we tell it to do. It only does what we use it for. So some people uh, may be, in some times in your life, you may feel like it's uh, you know, maybe harmful to have money or Maybe it's, only, it's, it's harmful to, to strive for money. Sometimes you may feel like it's good to have plenty of money. But the point is, it's, it has no soul or will of its own. It only, it only does what we uh, use it for when it's, when it's in our possession. And this verse actually deals with two aspects of money. Uh, wealth and income. Wealth and income. Well, where is that? Let's take a look. He says, honor, your Lord with, honor the Lord with your wealth. Wealth is your, your actual assets, like a home or your, your, your car or clothing or property or things like that that you have spent money on and you have. The first fruits of all your produce speaks to income. Some people may have plenty of wealth, but very little income. And therefore, they sit, may, may seem very poor, but... They have plenty of wealth, but very little income. They don't have money to spend. All their money is in their possessions. Some people may have their finances in a, in, you know, backwards. Their income is pretty good, but they, they don't save it or use it wisely or they waste it. And so they have, few, they have little wealth. And some have been blessed enough to have both gained some wealth with their wise use of their funds and also have income. But God tells us to honor the Lord with your wealth and your income. Then, in verse 10, it says, Your barns will be filled with plenty, and your vats will be bursting with wine. That sounds like a wonderful promise, and it is a wonderful promise. But let's be careful. 
that this is, uh, uh, let's be careful to uh, not read this verse and interpret it as a, uh, as if God is some sort of an ATM machine. That if you put your card in right and put the code in right, you get lots of money out. God is no vending machine. He is no ATM machine. God cannot be bought or bribed. Remember, it all belongs to God anyway, right? We don't tempt God. Uh, the very first, uh, uh, the very uh, uh, early in the book of Genesis, we read when Cain and Abel both brought a sacrifice to God, they both came to honor God with the first fruits of their possessions. If you go deep in that to study, you might see very subtle hints as to why one was good and one was not. But I submit that Cain's objective was to bribe God, while Abel's objective was to honor God. My friends, we can't bribe God. (laughs) It's dangerous to try. Don't try it. Proverbs also teaches us that money is valuable, but godly wisdom is better. In, verse, in chapter 3, verse 14, and elsewhere several times in the book of Proverbs. But let me read this one as an example. For the gain from her wisdom is better than gain from silver, and her profit is better than gold. This verse doesn't disparage the value of silver or gold. It merely states that the godly wisdom is so much greater and so much better. Don't forget, if you have a chance to trade something that's melting away fast for something that lasts, why wouldn't you? Of course you would. What else, does, what else does the Lord teach us through the book of Proverbs? Well, God teaches us to pay your bills on time. Pay your bills on time. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 28. Do not say to your neighbor, go and come again tomorrow. Tomorrow I will give it when you have it with you. That's dealing dishonestly. Uh, the book of Proverbs teaches that we don't do that. I have a, uh, there was a mentor that uh, was an example to me. His name was David Birch. I don't know if any of you may have met the man. He was a TCU grad and lived in Fort Worth for a long time. Anyway, uh, he gave me, he taught me an example when I was a young man. He said, Rodney, I took my car to be fixed at a repair shop. And I spoke to the repairman, and he asked me what I did for a living, and I told him that I was a minister of the gospel. I was a minister of Jesus. And the repairman shook his head and said, oh. And I asked him, why, are you dis- why does that disappoint you? He says, because I always, when preachers come in here, I never get paid. <laughs> and he told me, he said, well, whether that's true or not, I made sure to pay that man in full on time as soon as I picked up the vehicle, because he didn't want to disparage the name of Christ. You can be an example of the goodness and mercy and justice of God to a lost world by paying your bills on time. Let's look down at Proverbs chapter 8. 
Actually, Proverbs chapter 10. Let's look down at Proverbs chapter 10 and verse 4. So what else does, are we taught here that uh, Proverbs teaches about money? That, it's, that we should earn it. That it's good to earn money. It's a blessing to earn money. Yes, it's a blessing to work hard and earn money. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 4, A slack hand causes poverty, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. A slack hand causes poverty, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. Verse 15, A rich man's wealth is his strong city, and the poverty of the poor is their ruin. Proverbs also teaches to not cheat with money. Look at verse, uh, chapter 11, verse 1. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 1. A false balance is an abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is His delight. A false balance is an abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is His delight. Now, uh, many of you, if, you see, if I see this verse, I think this would be a terrific verse to print out and put above your bathroom scale. A false balance is an abomination to the Lord, and a just weight is his delight. But no, remember uh, in business trade, especially you know during the time when this was written, uh, when you exchanged money for goods, it was weighed in balances. And so the balance was how you tested the value of the money that you paid against what you were purchasing. And a false balance was a way that people would cheat, and people would be dishonest in business dealings. This is not... Everyone who has a job knows that there is, you know, people are dishonest and cheat, uh, and you see it happen. And we in the business world have to remember that that temptation is real, and we have to uh, be careful not to, uh, not, to, not to succumb to that temptation, and that our integrity and honesty in our business dealings is an example of the glory of God. An example of the glory and the image of God. A false balance is an abomination, but a just weight is his delight. Also, we are to be generous with money. Proverbs 11, verse 24. 11, 24. One gives freely, yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. One gives freely and yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. The harder we cling to ice, the quicker it melts. The better, the more we, the faster we share it, the better we use it. Is this making you thirsty by shaking this cold glass of ice water? It sure is making me thirsty. I probably need to stop doing that. Verse 28 of chapter 11, do not put your trust in money, is what we're taught. Whoever trusts in his riches will fail, but the righteous will flourish like a green leaf. We are not to put our trust in money. We put our trust in Jesus Christ. We don't trust in the creation. We trust in the Creator. Proverbs chapter, uh, uh, chapter 14, verse 20 and 21 teaches that we are not to judge people by their wealth. We don't judge people by their wealth. A poor man is disliked even by his neighbor, but the rich has many friends. Whoever despises his neighbor is a sinner, but blessed is he who is generous to the poor. 
Blessed is he who is generous to the poor. Do not judge people by their wealth. Amen? Life teaches us (laughs) that sometimes the poorest people appear wealthy on the outside, and the wealthiest people (laughs) really appear poor on the outside. Isn't that the case? Proverbs also teaches more talk, less talk, more action. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 23. In toil there is profit, but mere talk tends only to poverty. In toil there is profit, but mere talk lends only to to poverty. Let's take a look at uh, Proverbs chapter 23, verse 4. Proverbs 23, verse 4. Do not toil to acquire wealth. Do not toil to acquire wealth. Hold it. Didn't we just read a verse in Proverbs that teaches us the goodness of working for wealth? Which is it? Well, as we read this, we remember, we don't toil to acquire wealth. We don't work for for wealth. We work for God. No matter what we're doing, no matter what we lay our hands towards, we do it all to the glory of God. We do it for Him and not for wealth. When we do receive pay for our work, it's so that we may have something to share with those in need. It's so that we may have something to share with those in need. Also, uh, what else does the Bible say? Doesn't the Bible speak about wealth other places? Oh, yes. 1 Timothy 5.8 reminds us that we, it's good to provide for your family. How can we honor God with our money? How can we honor God with our wealth? Well, <laughs> provide for our family. Provide for your family. That's one way. If anyone does not provide for his relatives, 1 Timothy 5.8, and especially for members of his household, he is denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. That's rather convicting. But if you think about that as a Christian... If we make ourselves, uh, uh, if if we make our, if if we squander what God has given us, so that others have to spend resources to support us, we're taking those resources from others who really need it. So it is good to provide for your own family. Now, the most glorious thing and the purpose, the highest purpose of the wealth that God gives us is actually to give it back. The highest purpose of the wealth that God gives us is to give it back. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 5, we are taught to give willfully, but not under compulsion. I thought it necessary to urge you Urge the brothers to go on ahead to you and arrange in advance for the gift you have promised. All right, we need a little context here. Remember now, this is when Paul was writing to the church in Corinth. He was warning them or reminding them that he was going to come and visit them and collect an offering to share with other Christians in other places that had greater want. And he reminded them ahead of time to gather that up ahead ahead before he got there because he didn't want to make a big show of it when he got there, but he wanted it to be an act of worship. He wanted it to be willful and not compulsory. 
uh, verse, the end of verse 5 into verse 6. So that it may be ready as a willing gift and not as an exaction. The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one, verse 7, each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Now one reason that this is a topic that's difficult for us to talk about very often is because it's hard to to uh, say, it's hard to say this. Usually, we keep, we're very private about our financial dealings. I tend to be very private about mine. I don't want to discuss that with a lot of people. But for the sake of those who may be here that may not have experience, or maybe you're a first-generation Christian in your family, maybe you haven't had an example set uh, by uh, other believers around you, Um, the Bible does teach a, a principle, not a compulsion, but a principle of, of giving 10% of your income. It's not a command, but it is. It's not a command now. It's taught mostly in the Old Testament, but Jesus re- repeats it in the New Testament. 10% may be a lot. If you're figuring in your mind, if your paycheck is $1,000, that's $100. If your paycheck is $2,000, that's $200. If your paycheck is $5,000, that's $500. And you might say, do people really give that much? Yes, some do. Some do. And I can stand here truthfully as I... I can stand here truthfully to say that as, to my knowledge, with the Lord's help, by the grace of God, I am thankful to say that the funds that the Lord brings in, that by free gifts, generous gifts by you to the body here at Grace, at Grace Church, that every penny is used for the glory of God. Every penny. Today, yesterday, for years, years for, for, the, for the life of this church, and for years to come, by the grace of God, it will be used to help others, to bless others, to pay the salaries of the ministers of the gospel here, and it will be used wisely and not squandered for God's glory. And if you're not a member here, you're a member at another church, I urge you to consider to support your church uh, fully and faithfully. It's important. It's good work to do. It honors God. Now, One thing I, a habit that I have, uh, I don't do it every time, but a lot of times before I eat, especially if I'm with my family or with others, before I eat a meal, I will stop and I will thank the Lord for the meal. I'll say grace. Anybody else do that? Anybody else raise your hand? Sometimes, not every time, but sometimes. All right. It's a good thing to do. Does the Bible say we must say grace every time we eat a meal? I don't think so. But God teaches us we should be thankful. Why do I pray before a meal? It's to be thankful for what God's given me. It's to ask God to use it for His glory and to bless those who prepared it and, uh, and to bless the fellowship time we have around it. I wonder if we wouldn't do well to do the same thing every time we get ready to spend money. 
Think of it. When you get to sit down to pay your bills or even pay a large sum, maybe your mortgage, or maybe <laughs> when you're filling up your car with gas, that big bill, <laughs> if you stop and pray and thank God for what He's provided, thank God for the use of it, and ask God to use it for His glory, it would remind us that it all belongs to Him. And it all comes from Him. Here's one way to pray about money. And if you feel awkward praying about money, I understand. But here's one way. Let's turn to Proverbs chapter 30. Proverbs 30, verse 7, 8, and 9. Here is a prayer. An example of a prayer about money. Two things I ask of you. This is Proverbs chapter 30, verse 7. Two things I ask of you. Deny them not to me before I die. Two things. And he's praying to God. Remove far from me falsehood and lying. This means I'm telling the truth, God. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is needful for me lest I be full and deny you and say, who is the Lord? Or, lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. So this prayer is someone who says, God, I understand the temptation of money. It's valuable and I need it and we need it to to, to live and to do things that you've asked us to do. But please protect me from the temptation of having too much money that I forget you, God, or too little money that I take advantage and steal. That's one way we can pray about money. But if you join with me as we close with this prayer. Our Heavenly Father, even now, Lord, as a family of God, as a family of believers here at Grace Church, we are before you humbly asking for you to watch over us to bless the word that you teach us from Proverbs. Thank you for the money that you share with us. Help us to remember and be mindful to use it wisely and properly, to glorify you with it, and to never cheat or harm or hurt with it. That good is done with all the money that you give to us, never evil. Let us bless others, not not oppress others with our money. Let us be thankful for our money and not grumble and complain. Let us never try to bribe you, God, with our money. Teach us, Lord, to set some aside, to have ready funds to help others and bless others when the need arises. Open our eyes, Lord, to see the needs that we ignore. And Lord God, I ask you to continue to bless the funds that the church has, that we make wise choices and wise decisions only guided by you and you alone to do your will with the resources that you provide. We thank you for all these things in the holy and precious name of Jesus Christ. Amen.